Hey everybody, Mariner here and welcome to Net That Hall and another matchup show where we're going to again dissect the numbers and matchups for game week 30. And as always, I've got two uh, able and willing crew members with me. Um, always, uh, Chief Mate, FPL Lens, how are you doing Gabe? Morning, bright and early, doing, doing great. Uh, looking forward to the show, uh, mostly, mostly because we have a new crewmate. Yes, yes, and uh, someone who likes the black stuff, as I understand, but different type of black stuff that you're on at the moment, Gabe. Not black coffee, I think I'm talking Guinness. Sean, how are you, mate? Uh, for me, today, I'm drinking water, actually. What? Wow. It's, a, it's a drink of water. I'm trying to stay sober for this one. <laughs> well, look, yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I'm I know everybody's going to be hugely disappointed here, but, like, you know, I'll take one for the team then. We, we, we just lost half the people in the chat, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but no, I mean, I think, you know, this is the first time that you've been on the show was it officially as the fourth uh, co-host of uh, Net That Hall. So uh, on behalf of us all, I just want to say welcome. And uh, I'm really excited as to uh, where, where this is going to go. So uh, no, really, really happy to have you with us, mate. Well, thanks. So, it's great to join the team. I have to say, um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be good fun. Uh, it was great fun the other day. It was great fun the other morning. I think it kept, it went down very well. Um, so anyway, so let me just quickly just in, uh, let you know what we're doing today. Um, we're going to go through the usual bits and bobs. We're going to go through the fixture difficulty. Uh, Gabe's got a uh, a different sort of uh, matchup today, going back to his roots. Got Hibbo and Chelsea, and we've got the usual stuff. So um, I think before we just dive into it, I think we'll just say, as always, if you like what you're seeing, make sure you do hit the subscribe button, hit the bell as well, so that you get notified for when we go, uh, when it, when we either go live or whether we drop some recorded content in the future. So okay, let's dive in. Um, and I think the important thing to say is as I move to the screen and put things up on the screen, is that now we are also a pod. So we're also on, uh, I think, was it Spotify, Buzzsprout, is it Amazon as well? Did Nima get us on Amazon uh, yesterday mm -hmm. or today? Uh, so yeah, Google, 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 yes. Google as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so if you want to catch this on there as well, you'll be able to. So. Consequently, we'll be a little bit more prescriptive about what we do. So first things first, let's get into the fixture difficulties. And that will be for me. And as you'll see, we've done something a little bit different. And I think this is partly due to the pod. And the idea now is what you're seeing on the screen is you're seeing a rank of which team uh, has the best matchup rank for the next, in, in this case, um, number of weeks. So at the moment, uh, what you're seeing on the screen, and I'll describe it for everybody, the top five with respect to attack, teams with best ranks for attack uh, are Manchester City, of course, hardly surprising, with a rating of 1.7. That Remember, that's between one and seven. Um, one being good, seven being worse. Then Leicester, then West Ham, who are improving then Chelsea, and then Brighton. So that's the top five teams with respect to um, attacking, attacking fixture difficulty. 
The bottom five are Palace, uh, Newcastle, and this is counting up from the bottom. Palace, Newcastle, Villa, so 5.6 Palace, 5.0 Newcastle, 4.6 Villa, 4.5 that Sheffield United fourth, and then Wolves. Um, and uh, notably, Manchester United are now 14th in respect to ranking for fixture difficulty for attack. They're down from fifth. That is a big drop. And also Villa, 18th from 11th. That is also a big drop. So first things first, guys, um, what do you think to the way we're doing it now? And, you know, any comments on the attacking, uh, basically the rankings for the attack and defence, our attack this time? First of all, I, I think this is, it's so much clearer. I, I love how, how it's laid out now. It's, this, is, this is fantastic. Um, the, the one thing that, I, I have two comments. Um, one, Manchester United uh, being so low, I think we saw that coming a few weeks back and then the, the metric has kind of caught up. I think that's one of the reasons actually why I mistakenly um, sold Bruno. It, their attack didn't, didn't, didn't look very fluid. Bruno got, was getting a couple, maybe he'd get like a penalty or, or just something at the very end. And um, so we've seen that kind of decline for a little while. And then the other thing that, that I'll add here is um, if, Cal if Callum Wilson's coming back, are we going to see Newcastle surge again? We've seen a little bit of everything from, from Newcastle. They've played really well. They've been, they've played amongst like the, like the worst team in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes the team. What are your thoughts, Kevo? Yeah, I, I think now, like looking looking at kind of more traditional kind of fixture tickers and looking looking at this more kind of nuanced one, like I think it's kind of spot on because like you're, you're looking at Leicester, they're going to come on a nice run of games. Um, not this week because they've obviously got Man City, but the, maybe the next four afterwards, like they're they're, they're particularly juicy. Um, Man City seem to be up there based in form. Like how how much width? Does the FDR give the sale a blank and 33? No, this doesn't cover that, mate. This Sorry, this is where it is at this moment. I think I don't think I made that clear. So that's where it is now. So it doesn't, right. it's not thinking about, that's looking like on the basis of, you know, could, if you recall on the past when we've done this, what I haven't done this time is I haven't shown the matrix. You know, the mate, the where I was saying these are green and mm -hmm. these are red. I've took yeah. that out. I've just turned these. Maybe I should have been a bit more clear myself. We've we've turned this into a little bit more of a, should we say, a league table rather than a matrix. And I think, right, so, okay. yeah. Right, so okay. this is basically where we are at this moment. So all our fixture difficulties, all our matchups, which I'm going to come on to these games uh, in a moment, are all uh, based on these tables. Right. So uh, yeah, so I think that's where it is. So it's unsurprising that Crystal Palace are bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Unsurprising uh, that Aston Villa have crashed to 18th either. I think. I think that's the way I would put it. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea are kind of they're high enough up there. I'm, I'm quite impressed with that. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Um, and defensively wise, let's talk about defence. And you mentioned Chelsea, Hibbo, but Chelsea are top, one out of uh, you know ranking of one, which means that's very very good. Um, and also. They've been first for a while now as well. So that's another thing which is important to know. Brighton, second, 1.4. Manchester United, third, 2.2. Man City, 2.3. Spurs and West Ham, 2.7. That's the top I, five or six. I, I'd say if you keep going a little bit there, Fulham and yeah. West Brom. 
West yeah, Brom. Fulham, Fulham 2.9, West Brom 3. West Brom have a variance of 10. Now, that means that over the course of the season, they if you look to the whole season compared to the last six, they have improved 10 slots. Mm-hmm. So they have improved a heck of a lot with respect to defence in the last in the last six games. Um, so that's I think, and that's similarly when I mentioned about Villa dropping. I think that's probably the Grealish factor with respect to the to the attack, right? And at so, the bottom, so that that variance column basically indicates form over the last six. Yeah, against the season. This, this is fantastic, man. I, I, I love this, this layout. is really, really, really intriguing. Yeah, really good. it really does need people to go to YouTube and actually have a look at it to try and explain it. I'm just going to surgically remove the cat off the desk as well, which is the, <laughs> which is the next problem at, at the moment. He's been sat here all day. Um, and <laughs> as usual, things started to go wrong. We're only 10 minutes in and things are going wrong already. Um, Sheffield United, on the, with respect to defence, obviously worse. They now rank seven. That is bad, right? That is proper bad. Um, Wolves, <clears throat> second bottom now, 4.8. Newcastle, third bottom, 4.1. Everton and Liverpool, equal fourth worse with respect to defensive fixture difficulty, or defensive form, fixture difficulty. So, yeah, um, Leeds have improved. You say leads are compared to what they were are a bit better. They're, they're up six points. There's the cat coming again. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that's basically the fixture difficulty. I think and I think what I would suggest people do is have a look onto, onto YouTube to get some more information. Anything you want to add on the defence, guys, before I move over to the matches themselves for this week? No, I'm happy. Right. I'm Sorry, go ahead. Palace seems Sorry, Palace seems a little hot, higher than I would expect. Um, I mean, this is obviously based on things like uh, so. It's based on shots in, in the box conceded, big chances, and things like. Mm -hmm. What this doesn't this this doesn't count headers. And I think if we thought about headers, then I think we know where Palace are going to be. Mm, right. So, I'm not. I'm not sure we can take headers out of the game of football. I think we might have to keep them on. <laughs> well, that'll be an off-season discussion. At the moment, it's down as shots. It's down as shots in the box. I've never had headers in this one yet. I suppose the chance of converting a header is a lot probably probably less than the chance of converting a shot. Perhaps I don't know. Hey, Gabe, we can talk about this off camera, but it'd be worth considering it. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean. That depends. If, if it's Andy Carroll, then he might have a very better chance with his head than his, than his feet. But normally, yes, it's better to use your feet. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Uh, and Tips is just mentioning now, Palace are bottom for headers conceded. Yeah, uh, they're bright red on my uh, Suchek watch. They're horrific. Um, I think we might find that <clears throat> Palace get a bit of a mention later on. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat. Um, Let's look at the next slide then. And now we're going to look for something slightly different. We're going to look at the actual games for next week or for this week. Uh, and I'm going to very, very quickly rattle through five. And then I'm going to let you just quickly comment, guys. So we start with Liverpool against Arsenal. So Liverpool attack 3.3. So there's six against the Arsenal defence, 3.1, tenth. That's neutral in my, my opinion. Arsenal attack 3.4, they're 7th against Liverpool defence, 4, they're 16th. 
So that's slightly positive for Arsenal attack. Now we talk about Villa and Fulham. Villa attack 4.6, they're 18 against Fulham defence 2.97. That's a poor attacking matchup for, for, mm -hmm. for Villa. Fulham attack 4.3, 15th against Villa defence 3.2, 12th. It's also a poor attacking matchup. So maybe not. I don't know whether how many goals will be in that game. Chelsea attack 2.7. This is Chelsea against West Brom. Chelsea attack 2.7, fourth against West Brom defence, eighth at three. And West Brom attack 4.1, 13 against Chelsea defence, one. That's very tough going. So more neutral, interestingly neutral. Although mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk a lot about Chelsea later on. But interestingly, the Chelsea attack against West Brom defence, according to these matchups, maybe is a little bit tighter. Um, but very, very tough going for, for West Brom attack. Everton attack 4.1, 12th against Palace defence, 3.2, 11th. Neutral. I've got to put a thing, barring headers. <laughs> uh, Palace attack 5.7, the last against Evan, Everton defence, 4 17th palace are struggling and everton are not that great either um and then the last fixture in this first lot and, and again i've highlighted uh, this one as well leeds attack 3.9 so not fantastic 11th against sheffield united defense seven last that is the best attacking matchup of the week and Sheffield United attack 4.5, 17th against Leeds defence, 3.5, That's a poor matchup. Now, so, one, one question, Mariner, yes. sorry to interrupt. Um, You're all right. Seven is the worst, right? That's that's mm -hmm. the, the worst you can get is... Correct. That's as bad as it gets. So even though, even though Leeds are not actually that good, you imagine if it would be, you know, a Manchester City playing Sheffield United. This would be a fixture difficulty of like plus... Plus nearly plus six, wouldn't it? Something like that. They would have come to mm -hmm. City in a moment or plus five. So that mm -hmm. would be ridiculous, right? But that just shows that this Leeds Sheffield United matchup is a very, very good matchup indeed, even though Leeds are not great. Anything you want to add, Hibbo? If I'm looking at say, I, th I think the matchup's better for Leeds than maybe what. The, the metrics kind of given it, you know, in the last couple of games, they have had harder games. Um, they played Chelsea, they played Fulham, who've been tighter. They played West Ham, who have been reasonably tight, although the, the last match against Arsenal was about a goal fest. So, I don't know, like, you're looking at that fixture, Leeds against Sheffield United, and, like, it could be potential territory for a differential captain. For me, uh, not that I'll go, go away from Kane, and I'm sure we'll talk about captaincy in, in greater depth at some point later on, but I do think the matchups are a wee bit better. Like I would kind of, if I had to pick a scoreline, maybe three-one leads. Mm. Well, interesting enough, we have predicted the scores, but I haven't put them up here. If you, if people want to go to the Compass Show, which was on Tuesday night, uh, where um, Hibbo and I recorded this, we actually used these. Nima, Nima sorry, um, <laughs> Nima, Nima, and I. Uh, thanks for shouting that out. Uh, Nemo and I uh, looked at those and predicted some scores. I think Nemo went 3-1, and I thought it was going to be a blood and guts 4-2. I, I see this game a little bit differently than everyone, actually. Yeah. Um, Sheffield United coming out of just just coming out of a very difficult time, <clears throat> losing, losing their manager. 
Um, I, I think we don't know. We don't know this team. And when, when a team that's that's really struggling and almost to the point of embarrassment, I mean, I I, I can't imagine how how that how it feels for those players who did so well last season, right? Um, when when a new when a new manager gets them and brings them out for the first time, they're going to be conservative and they're going to play within a shell. And I think they might be. I, I think Sheffield United is a team that right now we don't know who they are. We, we know. We know they're not very good. Obviously, they haven't been this season, but we don't know how they're going to come out and how they're going to play. And they might they might just sit in the, in a shell and make things difficult for Leeds. It, I I think this could be a cagey a cagey one. It could be. I don't think Sheffield United is going to go for it. Um, we'll see. And again, a comment in the, from t- from Harry. Uh, Leeds have scored just one goal and conceded eight to five. Uh, I think at the back. Probably systems this season, mm-hmm. so I think I read that somewhere. Some uh, I think maybe it was from Harry actually on Twitter earlier on. But, but yeah, I well, mean, I, it I, was, don't know. It was, I just I just it feel was, as, I just feel it's it was, the local derby. It could be bloody good. Sean, sorry. Yeah, that but that uh, that stat was actually posted by a fella Corf, um, Corf mm-hmm. FPL on. He's actually on that Telegram group that we're on. Um, he posted that earlier in the week. Okay. So, okay, cool, cool. Uh, so let's move on to the other side, the other five fixtures, and again we'll quickly rattle through them. So the first one, City against Leicester. Uh, City attack one point seven, their top against Leicester defense three point one ninth. Leicester attack one point nine second against City defense two point three fourth. That's quite neutral. Um, here's an interesting one, guys. Manchester United attack 4.3, 14th against Brighton defence 1.4, second. That is really poor with respect to statistics. Brighton attack 2.8, fifth against Man U defence 2.2, third. That's pretty neutral. Um, slightly negative for Brighton attack. Now we move to the other big game for the week to, to consider where we're probably looking for captaincies as well, and that's Newcastle against Spurs. Newcastle attack five, um, 19th, without Callum Wilson. He apparently is not fit. Against Spurs defence, 2.7, fifth. That's a poor matchup. Spurs attack 3.9, 10th, not tearing any trees up, not number-wise, against Newcastle defence, 4.1, 18th. So that's neutral. So that's another interesting one. I guess we'll come back to that in a minute. But let me just finish these last two. Southampton against Burnley. This is a bit meh. Southampton attack 3.78 against Burnley defence. 3.7, 14th, neutral. Burnley attack 3.79 against Southampton defence. 3.9, 15th. That's also neutral. Goodness, no, that's not a game I'm going to be watching, I don't think. <laughs> um, Southampton, it could be good. Oh, I suppose it could be goals. Wolves, and then finally, just the last game, Wolves attack 4.4, 16th, against West Ham defence 2.7, 6th, positive for West Ham defence there, and West Ham attack 2.7, 3rd, against Wolves defence 4.8, 19th. Mm. West Ham uh, have a good matchup this week. That is what that tells me. Um, Sean, I'll come to you first this time. What's your What's your perspective on the... On the, the second five. Is he there? 
Can you hear us? Hibbo, Hibbo, Hibbo. Hibbo. We've lost it. <laughs> Did he okay. Lose it? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. <laughs> Maybe shoot him a, a message on the side. Um, you know, there, there's something that I've, I just, I've been. Oh, oh, we're losing everybody. Where's Gabriel away there? Um, I don't know. Well, you went. I'm, you, st I'm still, I'm still here. Yeah. You dropped yeah. off for a yeah, second. Here. So let me just add, add people back in. Um, Gabe, I think we're all back on now. I think we're having some technical difficulties. It might be this thunderstorm here, perhaps. I don't know. Can you hear us? Hello? Yeah, I, I can hear you guys. Can you guys hear right, me? All right, all right. Apologies, apologies for the technical difficulties. It sounds like maybe as many as many technical difficulties as as I'm having here with this thunderstorm which is going on at the moment. So, um, yeah. so, so yeah, I, I was just saying I'll, I'll make I'll make it quick here. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I'm seeing I'm seeing like opportunities in because everyone's you know piling on Spurs and and going with Kane captain. And I and I think managers got lucky with um with a rash tackle by uh by by Cash last last game week. I think there's another opportunity here. I, Spurs attack really <clears throat> is that they're not firing on all cylinders. And then you have teams like um like West Ham that have a deceptively nice little matchup. Um, so I think in terms of different uh, what what this group of five shows me is that there's. There are possibilities for for nice little differential captains and and to to kind of go away from the most popular picks. Yeah. Okay. Hippo. Um. I did. I tried to come to you earlier, but I wasn't sure if you didn't hear us. Uh, maybe the technical difficulties had started. I wasn't sure. Are you there? Can you hear us? <laughs> Back. I think he's lost. Well, I think we're losing him. <laughs> Do you want to send him a message, Gabe? Yeah, I'll, I'll send him a message. I think you know what it is. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough. I can't hear you. Can you hear us? <laughs> you know what it is. Yeah, you, I can. I can hear you. Water. I I can. Tell you, shake. I'm gonna try something. Anyway, sounds like we're having some technical difficulties. What we'll do, hopefully, we'll have it sorted by the time we Hello? get back to his, to his section. Can you hear us, Hibbo? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear you. We just I don't think you can hear us. No, that's that that, that seems to be better now. I've I've, I've made a wee change here. Right. Okay. So right. Anyway, we've still got everybody here. So it's just a bit like you know you know what the wee change was, right? It was he unmuted. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's not listening to us. Maybe he's what maybe he's listening to another podcast at the same time or something like oh, that. I would never I would never I, I would never betray you like that. Um, <laughs> we've, had, we've had all sorts going on this week, yeah. mate. You're not, you're not having an argument with somebody from uh, Surrey, are you? Or anything like that, just on the off camera. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 not, we'll not say too much about that. No, um, we won't. No, 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 we won't. But, but look, let's, let's try and refocus. Hippo, just very quickly, Gabe's given his view on this. What, what do you think about the, the Man U Brighton and the Newcastle Spurs matchups particularly? I th I think man, you Brighton uh, going through it quickly. I think it'll be tight enough for United. Um, I think they'll win. I think they'll maybe one one nil. If I'm being completely honest with you, uh, Wolves against West Ham. I, I I do like where your magic is going here. And like one thing I've noticed in the community this week is that 
I've noticed a lot of people in their teams that they're posting, they're, they're talking about benching maybe Lingard or Antonio, which to me is just crazy stuff. Um, Antonio Antonio could absolutely fold his boots against Arsenal. He had the one where he, it, it came off the post and it was it was harder it was harder to actually miss that than it was to score it. Um, looking at your matchup for Newcastle and Spurs, I think it's written Newcastle too highly. Like I, I, I sat down such as the way because I've got two daughters. I've, I've, got, I've got a daughter that's one and a daughter that's two. So I always get to see the half seven match. And I sat down yeah. and watched Brighton against Newcastle, and Newcastle were just a complete and absolute disgrace. To be honest with you, they couldn't string a pass together. They couldn't get out of their. They couldn't get out of their half. To be fair, about so the I think nineteen. If, 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 if they're conceding eleven, they can't get much worse, <laughs> uh, get much worse mates. They're eighteenth and nineteen. No, well, no, fair. That's that. That probably is fair. But I think I think Spurs. I think in terms of the matchup, I think Spurs and attack are maybe a bit better. Like. Like if I look at, yeah, if I look at I, say the last six weeks for Spurs, I think two of the weeks they scored four, they scored four, they scored four against Burnley and four against Palace. So I think yeah. Spurs could do a job, and it's going to be probably my my man, Hongman, Hongman's son. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Let's hope so because I own him as well. I've I've been for once. I've been uh, I've been a little bit careful and, and held him for once but anyway there we go all right so look let's move on to the next bit um just a bit mindful of my okay, time okay. my section's running over so i'm just going to finish this off and this hibo is the fixture difficulty for the next three game weeks so this week and the next two and this now shows that um if we're talking about the ranking all three as a difficulty the teams with the best attacking matchups between 30 and 32 are and in order city west ham arsenal leicester and leeds and the bottom five counting up attacking wise palace newcastle man U, everton and villa okay uh, and very quickly talking about defense the best matchups for the next three games chelsea brighton Spurs, Fulham, and Man U, and the bottom five counting up again: Sheffield United, hardly surprising; Palace, Newcastle, Wolves, and Leeds. Um, anything you want to comment on these these two guys? I mean, again, I think it's important people do come to the YouTube channel and just come to this page and just probably pause it because I think it's very clean. It's very easy to look at. But it's probably a little bit more difficult to explain. So, um, what's your perception, Gabe? My the, the first thing that comes to mind is people that the conversations, at least on Twitter, about um, getting rid of Manchester City assets. <clears throat> when, when according to the FDR here, they have the best attacking matchups over the next three. Right? They do. They do. Um, the issue is, are we going to find a situation whereby? Um, letting Hibbo back in again now um now we're going to get to a situation where the best players for Manchester United are going to rest the easier fixtures and play the harder fixtures um for Manchester City I mean it must be this wine and this thunderstorm um <laughs> you know I'm you know what I mean don't you um are we going yeah. to see a situation whereby we're going to be playing players like Ferran Torres is going to get a game uh, and other players are going to rest in the games that we might want our city assets clearly they've got brilliant matchups 
but are we in a situation whereby uh, we are, you know, we're, we're going to have them in our team, but they're just going to they're just going to sit and rot on the bench, perhaps? So, uh, I mean, there's um, I, I see that a little bit differently in, in terms of the the rotation. Um, I I mean, because of because of the potential rotation, I, I think it's uh, it's probably not the best idea to go on in on premium city assets like Kevin De Bruyne, for example. He's not really in my plans, even though I do expect him to play most games and I do expect him to do well. But if Gundogan, for example, he's still he's in behind Kevin De Bruyne and then he pops out like into the box as well. You know, at, at six point whatever, he's he still provides great value. And you can have somebody, um, for example, a Brighton defender could be on the bench. Rudiger, Christensen could be on the bench. So if one of the Manchester City assets get rested, um, you have a quality um, a, a defender with good matchups. You know, according to this, Chelsea's first, Brighton second, um, that to come off the bench. So I think there are ways to, to mitigate the the rotation. But if you don't have the player, then it's like you are stepping in and saying, I, I will absolutely not have this player. If you're okay with the rotation, then you always have a chance of getting the best attacking team in the best attacking matchup. So I think give yourself a chance. That, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm keeping Gundogan and I'm keeping Stones. Because yeah, of I think they're, they're, they're probably the two I may well keep as well. Um, Hibbo, anything you'd like to add on the uh, on this, on the attacking side of uh, the, comparing to your fixture ticker perhaps within Hub? I think that might be quite an interesting way of, of looking to see where yeah. we are compared to them. Well, I would, I would just follow on from like uh, Gabriel's point there in Gundogan. And like, you know, you're talking about over the international break, I think he started three matches for Germany. So, yeah. Like you're looking, maybe I like I think Gundogan's very much part of Guardiola's number one team. Like he's starting main eleven. I fancy he's going to play against Leicester, but with the Champions League, I do think there is going to be a better rotation in Leeds. Like as you says, I think he has maybe potentially in Masoud in Leeds. Um, but I think the way to mitigate that, as as Gabriel said, maybe not have the expensive options, but that maybe rules out a move for like De Bruyne because the last thing you want really is. Eleven million pounds sitting in your bench, like yeah. you know, it's 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 a it's a lot easier to, to stomach if it's six million pound, I think, than, than it is yeah. if it's say eleven. You know, so that, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And regarding the fixture difficulties, mate, anything you wanted to add on that, or can I? Shall I move on to the defensive side? No. So this is is this over the next four? Is it say attacking yeah, matchup? Thirty to thirty-two, mate. So next three, um, next three, takes, sir. takes us to the next three game weeks. So. Um, obviously, I think Spurs have uh, four. Spurs have got four games um, among those as well, so it does account for all four. Um, so I, I mean, no, I, I was going to mention comments on the on the defense, but I guess you're, you're getting there. Yeah, yeah, I was going to come to the defense in a second. Uh, let me go to the let me go to them now. Um, and then you always come back in at the end, guys. Um, defense wise, at the very top, hardly surprising, Chelsea. Um, Brighton, even though people, interestingly, Brighton a second, even even I'm contemplating selling Dunk at the moment. Um, then I looked at this and thought, crikey, Brighton's numbers are great, but are they really going to do well against Man United and Chelsea? This is where these numbers, this is where we can challenge the statistics, right? Mm. It's not all about numbers. Well, at the end of the day, I'm a numbers man, but even I am looking at these and going, hmm, I'm not quite sure. Spurs third, Fulham fourth, Man United fifth, Man City sixth. Okay, that's defensively at the top. At the bottom, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Wolves. Leeds, 
and West Brom. Leeds are now turning a corner, starting to get some quite difficult uh, games going forward. And I think if I can just move on very quickly onto these next couple of slides, and this is where it becomes interesting. We talk about fixture swings. There's been a big discussion on fixture swings in the last few days about teams which and we've all been talking about it about which game teams we're going to target you know the arsenals the wolves of this world this that and the other um but here this slide and again please do go to youtube and check it out but this shows teams who uh picture difficulty ranking improves okay um over from as we we talk about further out into the into the distance in the future and west brom's attacking variants become they 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 become easier plus six they go up six ranking points brighton up six manchester manchester united up five spurs up four leicester up three southampton up two they're the teams who by my difficult fixture difficulty look like they're going to go into an easier run of fixtures on the other hand at the bottom standing out like a sore thumb are leads they drop off a cliff and drop 11 ranking points fulham next uh, so wolves next four so wolves if you're talking about wolves i think it's maybe short term talking about wolves and then it sounds like they're going to run into more difficulties again um fulham burnley everton but leads guys i mean are we going to go from captaining them to chucking them on the bench or even selling them? What's your perspective, Hibbo? Well, look, looking, looking at the fixtures themselves, um, they have Sheffield United, obviously, up, coming up this game week. But yeah. then they have, th they, have, they have three matches in the bounce, which like really don't appeal to the man really away. Right. Liverpool at home, Man United at home. But then the fixtures pick up. You're talking Brighton away, Spurs at home, Burnley away, Southampton away, and West Brom away. So the way I see it is people that are going to play a wild card in 31, they're probably going to move away from Leeds. I would say people that are planning with transfers without wild cards, they might look at maybe having a more attacking front eight and kind of bench them. Like I have Dallas, he's benchable. Um, I would bench one of Bamford and Rafinha depend on form if I'm being completely honest with you because I have all three um I don't really have any plans to sell at the minute because I'm kind of just looking at this week thinking I'm hoping they just score me 30 points between the three of them <laughs> but we can put we can up might be a few more if you captain one of them as well but I think uh, I think yeah. the perspective I mean like, I don't think we need to be a rocket scientist to realize that Manchester City Liverpool Man United and Spurs are not necessarily going to be that great uh, maybe Liverpool will be who knows um but I think my my own perspective here is that I I think I may well sell. It could be Bamford. I think might be the one who I'll sell. Um, being honest with you, because I've just got a feeling that Rafinha's that nice price just hold mm -hmm. uh, for me. I don't own Dallas, by the way. Um, moving on to the defensive fixture swings, the teams which swing most positive for defence are Leicester, Arsenal, West Brom, West Brom, Manchester City, and Wolves. Uh, and at the bottom, counting back up, who get worse, Fulham, Everton, Southampton, Spurs and Leeds. So even Leeds, so the Leeds drop a tiny bit. But I think it's quite interesting that, you know, Fulham, sorry, Wolves have, are improving a bit on defence, but not a lot. 
you know they get slightly better but there's there's a lot of talk about you know i'm going to jump on you know i've seen it a couple of times uh players like size and players like that i'm not sure on wolves at all i think if i was i really think i might just steer completely clear of them not of any uh gabe what's your perspective yeah i i, I agree and actually in the in the fdr for attack wolves were quite low and if, if you look at, yeah. at wolves's fixtures right that they're, they're quite low there in the attack from the, the minus yeah. four yeah. but if you if you were to go to the official fdr right um it would be a sea of green other than other than west ham in, in the official one so it, it looks yeah. good but uh given wolves's form i think when you take the the team form into account like you do in your in your in your metrics here it, it it doesn't it doesn't look very good i think wolves are a little bit of a trap um especially i mean obviously i think west ham will score i think fulham could score on wolves uh sheffield united like i said i, I don't think we know who they are um so i i agree with you <laughs> wolves wolves are a trap a little could be a trap wolves could be a trap all right all right then so okay so that's the that's the fixture difficulty it took us a little bit longer i think we were explaining a few things and we also had some technical difficulties which probably took up a couple of minutes of it but anyway let's let's keep going so what we're going to do now is uh we're going to have a look at gabe and i think you've got something a little bit different for us this week mate you're, you're going back to your roots indeed um now what i'll do do you want to share your screen you need to share yeah. your you need to share your screen just just whilst we're messing around i'm just going to do this just bear with me now we're getting gabe's information up on the screen which we're right. <laughs> sack the producer here we go i think is this this it so right let me just you ready add to stream there we go gabe so over to you mate um, okay. uh, please please uh, give us your uh co going back to your coaching roots i think is how we would describe uh this coaching week's roots. when when i had you know you're you're out there on the field coaching and you have no access to to stats to metrics to to anything all you have is the eye test so this is this is one for the um, purists out there, the eye test junkies. Um, and I've, I've, this week, I've um, I've gone over three three players that have become quite popular given their their recent productions. Um, that's Ihanacho, uh, Lucas Mora, and Kai Havertz. And I've gone through well for um, for Ihanacho, I went through his past last three games, three matches, and identified certain like the when chances were created or certain plays that, that i see kind of patterns in um so I'll, I'll go through them each here and i'll try to explain them as prescriptively as possible as, as you mentioned for the for the benefit of the of the listeners of the podcast so the first match here is <clears throat> pardon me it's um it's uh lesser city against burnley this was a few weeks ago um, and the first one here, we see Castagna on, on the left-hand side driving the ball up, and Ihanacho and Vardy kind of kind of together um, against the the three Burnley um, the the three Burnley defenders there with Ben Mee in the middle, Tarkowski on the right. Now, what I notice here is Vardy Vardy has Ben Mee's attention, and and there could be a gap for Ihanacho, but this is this is when they kind of first started playing together in, in the uh, top two. Um, 
And what happens is Vardy goes in towards Ben Mee instead of taking Ben Mee out of the picture. So that closes down the space. Uh, he closes down Ihenacho's uh, potential running lane. So when Vardy moves towards Ben Mee, he's moving closer to Ihenacho. And Castagna then is forced to uh, to send a deep cross. Instead of crossing to Vardy or Ihenacho, he has to cross to, uh, to Chowdhury, who's coming in on, on the far side, who uh, predictably doesn't do well with that shot. Um, so that was the first play. There, there was there was just, just a lack of understanding between Ihanacho and Vardy. Now this hold on. So I'll take a look. That was that was in the twelfth minute, thirteenth minute here. So twenty minutes later, um, there's another opportunity. Prior to prior to this opportunity, Ndidi had sent a long ball to Ihanacho, who um, who really he, he you know he took it down well, but didn't do well with the shot. But it kind of it showed something that they were trying to do in the the in, Ndidi from deep to uh, Ihanacho. That's really hard to say for some reason. But here we have Ndidi deep again. <laughs> say that three times fast, Ndidi deep. Um, and now Vardy, instead of looking for space for himself like he did in the previous play, Vardy is going to pull Tarkowski out of the lineup by moving towards the ball in between the two, uh, the, the two midfielders. So Vardy stands in the passing lane, and Ihanacho sees, sees that movement right away. You can actually... In, in the image here, so just for the benefit of the podcast listeners, as Vardy is stepping, Ihanacho's arms swing one way, which indicates that he's trying, he's about to generate momentum to move the other way. Um, it, it's just the, the, the mechanics of running. But the, these are tells, right? These, so you, you, you can see that there's already an understanding starting to develop here. As Vardy steps into that hole, we see I've, I've, there's, there's a, a blue rectangle there where, where the space opens up. And now... Now um, Ihanacho really takes off and kind of catches Ben Mee by surprise, which I was surprised by because Ben Ben Mee is a, he's a good defender and I'm surprised he didn't read this movement. Um, perhaps because it failed the previous time that, that that they didn't get their movement coordinated well. That Ben Ben Mee thought maybe they they you know they would fail again, but that was not the case. Um, you, you see in this in this one, Vardy attracts Tarkowski, pulls him out of the back line and gets the two center mids to collapse and gets the the right mid i think it's um who's the right mid for burnley's and mcneil maybe i don't i don't remember right now but but he even he even pinches in the whole right well the whole left attacking side for um for lester really opens up here and and indeed he recognizes all that movement and sends the ball in right at the perfect timing and then there's ihanacho with a really nice first time finish um I think maybe a little bit early for for Pope to come out there, uh, made it a little bit easier than, than than he should have, especially given that the two defenders are roughly in the area and knowing who the striker is, Ihanacho, who has struggled with finishing in the past. So, but what I like about this sequence is that there were two failed plays previously: one where Vardy ran into Ihanacho's space, and one where Ndidi popped the ball over the top, um, where uh, Ihanacho missed the shot. So both those plays got got resolved with this play. The ball over the top worked out, and the the movement in the space for Vardy also worked out. So good, promising signs, promising early signs for the Ihanacho Vardy uh, partnership there. Here's so here's the next play. This is on a counter attack. Ihanacho get, gets the ball uh, kind of in the middle of the field and. He drives past one defender, and he has a perfect opportunity. We can see that the ball is actually perfectly placed on his right foot for him to play it to the left side to Castagne, who's running, who's about to run into the box. 
Now, on this one, Hianacho's really not comfortable with his right foot, so he doesn't play this ball. But he could even, and he also, I think he fails to use the the line of the box as an offside marker. You can see the defenders kind of lined up right on that line, and Castagna hasn't crossed that line yet. So you have to use those visual markers. That this ball is is a perfect opportunity for Castagna. Hianacho kind of bungles his right foot, takes his time, and then has to play it to Tilemo, who's, who's making uh, the the run on the right side, a deep run from the right side. And by Tilemo makes you know. Gets Good shot off, but by the time he's but by the time he's on the ball and then the defenders shift, his angle is, isn't what we'd like it to be. So decision making, maybe like a little negative on the decision making for Ihanacho in, in this play. So, whoops, we move on. Um whoops. Sorry. It should not be oh my bad. Okay, moving on. Uh, so that that's it, that's it for this game. I'm gonna open up the next game here. Uh, dogs. Those, those are my two dogs. They they both passed away years ago. <laughs> so, um, here's here's the first play in the in the Brighton game, the the Brighton Leicester game. Um, I love this play because it's such a it's such a great team play. Soyuncu comes in and pokes the ball away. Castan recovers the ball, and as soon as that happened, look at what we have here is uh, we have a view from from Brighton's goal. And we have Vardy on the right side of the box uh, being marked, roughly marked, uh, softly marked by, by Ben White. As soon as Castagna wins the ball kind of towards, a, towards the, the middle of the field, Vardy takes off. He goes, in, instead of running towards the box, which is where we would expect him to run, Vardy knows he has Ihanacho on, on the inside there. And he goes off towards the sideline, pulling Ben White. That You, you can see the, the lane that's about to open up here um, for, for Leicester. There we go. There's the lane. Um, just, just an enormous gap. Dunk is there screaming at Basuma. What I like about Ihanacho is that he he actually steps up towards the ball, which is away from the goal, and slides in behind Basuma's right shoulder. The advantage to this is that um, is as the ball comes through, if if Basuma realizes that you know what what's going on, Ihanacho can step between the ball and Basuma. Um, all the all the meanwhile, Dunk is yelling at Basuma that he's got someone on his right shoulder. But by that time, it's too late because Castagne put that ball in nice, nice and early. So again, we're Vardy opening up space for Ihanacho. Now we're you know, if uh, if twice is a pattern, we're starting to see a pattern in in Leicester's movement here. Ihanacho plays the ball through, or sorry, Castagne plays the ball through. Ihanacho has a so in in this shot, Ihanacho has already taken a touch. But his, we see the touch. Um, so I'm showing arrows here. There are two red arrows which show the where his foot is, his plant foot is pointing, and the trajectory of the ball. You'll have to trust me on this. It's obviously better in the video. Um, both, both of those, both of those arrows are for the the benefit of our podcast listeners here. Both those arrows are pointing kind of towards the end line, and they're not angled towards the goal. And I've indicated the proper angle, the, the, the foot should be pointing and the proper angle, the ball should be traveling in the, in the blue arrows here. So the foot should be pointing kind of towards a, that near post and the ball should be kind of like, uh, running a similar a similar track. Um, that, that'll that allow, kind of as the ball rolls, it'll separate from, from the plant foot and it'll allow a, a shot to the far post. But the way he's, he's, he, he's set up here, the only thing that can happen is a shot to the near post. And 
again, predictably, that shot goes into the side netting. So Ihanacho's finishing woes are starting to show. Um, I, I think in, in this clip, um, because because of because he created these angles with with his touch. Here's the uh, and and that ball, yeah, that ball goes into the side netting. Here's another play. This is a similar situation. Vardy pulling Ben White um, out of the space by moving over to to Leicester's left hand side, which is Brighton's right hand side, and in doing so, creating a big lane for uh, for Ihanacho. This time, Tiedemann has the ball, uh, kind of between between the center circle and the top of the D of the box. And and Vardy is running across um, Ben White to, to pull him pull him out of the way. What I like here is if you notice Ihanacho's um, body position, Ihanacho is already making the run while Dunk is, re is recovering. This is the moment where he's on, and and he's just about to change his change kind of the, the way his body is. But Ihanacho is already about to make that run, so it's too late for Dunk. I like that early recognition from Ihanacho. It's what he does afterwards that I have problems with. We go to the next slide here. Ihanacho's first touch in the box takes him well inside, and, and he almost misses this. He gets a little bit lucky because his bad first touch actually moves um, Sanchez. And Sanchez, if you watch it in the video, Sanchez moves towards the, the middle of of his goal because he thinks that's the, the way Ihanacho's going. Then Ihanacho pops it near post. That, when you watch that play, it's very jerky and, and it's very reactive. That, that It's not a play that you think, oh, Ihanacho took that heavy touch on purpose to open up that near post. That was not by design. And then I think Ihanacho got a little bit lucky with, with, um, with this goal. He did end up scoring though, so power to him and to FPL managers if they have him. Um, nope. I'll bring up the next game here. <laughs> um, it looks lovely. Where is that beach, Gabe? So, this beach, this is when I first, this is when I first moved to California, um, and this is Newport Beach, and uh, the the dark one. So these dogs were twins. The dark one is his his name was Reek, and the light one, her name was Roxy, and they the beach was their favorite place in the world. Um, Looks a lot nicer than Cleethorpe's beach. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, this, this, was, this was the goal fest against Sheffield United. Um, just had to, you know, throw Ian Acho's first goal in there. I mean, poor Brian Keane, <laughs> marking Ian Acho. And then he started like, we uh, we have this saying in in Venezuela, and when when you're coaching kids, they have this thing that they do, and especially younger kids, they go and they're hunting butterflies. So you see them on the field, and they're like like spinning around and stuff, like looking for butterflies or something. And that's what Brian King was doing here. Unfortunately, he just starts drifting towards that near post, and and it just makes an easy goal for Ihanacho. Nice tap in goals. He he shouldn't be missing this. So um, kind of credit to the build up, but. That's that's an easy tap-in. Here's something that I really like about Ihanacho's finishing. Um, this was this was his second goal. It was a it was a hard cross from the left. I believe it's it was from Castagna's. Um, don't remember though. Um, and Ihanacho does not swing at the ball. He 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 just kind of like punches it in. And what he's doing is as he's running, it's almost like you don't change the stride of your run. 
And in the step of that run, you push the ball through, and that that keeps it low and keeps it straight. And it, and it just it gives um, Ramsdale no chance because when you do that, the ball really launches off of your foot because you're hitting it first time. So I give credit for for his for his finishing technique here. I think that's really well done. And it's some his finishing is something that he struggled with in the past. So I think we're, I think we're seeing some some development on this front. Now this this one, Ihanach was setting up a shot. This is this is for that that um that kind of like this the hard low shot. His uh his third goal in this match, the hard low shot to the near post. Again, I give him credit for the for the quality of the shot. But if we look at Ramsdale, Ihanach's body is he's about to poke the ball forward so he can hit it. I think and anybody that plays the game can read the visual cues. Apparently, except for Ramsdale, um, because Ramsdale is. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, he's rooted to the spot, and he's actually, if if you open up the frame, he's more to the right of this than he than he is to the left. When he's opening this up, you know, Ramsdale he has to shift and close that down at least a little bit. He can't he can't stay there. Um, and then you know you have Keen, Keen the you know the defender there. It's not great body position for, for a defender. If if I'm being honest, if you're approaching kind of like shoulders up, you're like, oh god, here we go again. Um, I think Keen is a little bit shell shocked at this point. Power power to um, power to Hinacho for for a good shot, but this was really a lot easier than it should have been. There's a dog again. There's the dogs again. Moving on to Lucas Mora. Um, here's here's where um, so in the first match, uh, who did, who, and, oh right in the North London derby, I I watched the extended highlights three times and I could not pull one highlight for Lucas Mora. So almost almost a throwaway like that. I I would say that's a bad sign. Right? When you're looking to scout a player and you watch an entire game in a derby, an important game, the player should stand out when you're scouting him. Lucas Mora did not stand out in that game. So already a, a bit of a red flag. But against Villa, I think we saw a little bit of the best like of his of his potential. And, and I believe the reason is because he played with um, uh, Gio Lo Celso, um, Hoybier, and Tango Ndombele behind him or kind of not even behind him, I would say around him because Lucas Mora had freedom to roam around that midfield and wherever he, whatever space he would vacate, one of those three center mids would, would then fill that space. And I think that's where, that's when Lucas Mora is at, at his best. He can roam the field and, and really look for the ball. We see here, this ball has recently been cleared by, uh, by Emmy Martinez. And who is that on the right side? I believe it is, was that, was that cash maybe i think it's cash on the right side he has the inside track and, and and the lead on the ball but lucas mora goes right past him and he wins this ball instead that's 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 when you know that's when Luke, watching lucas mora is fun right he gets to that ball first breaks that line of pressure um you see the, the there's a red line there joining cash to the midfield kind of on a diagonal lucas mora breaks through that line of pressure and gives the ball to kane and we see where the space is opening up. This is all from the left flank um, for those uh, the the podcast listeners. 
and we see the left flank open up, we know what Kane's going to do. Um, Kane's going to give that ball right back to Lucas Mora. Uh, he's such a great target man, and, and uh, he, he does find the quick outlets. There it is. Lucas Mora just burns past all of the all of the Villa defenders there. He's in space, and then then he he's smartly he's he's being closed down. I believe it's Tyrone Mings that's closing him down at this point, and he smartly squares the ball to uh to uh, Vinicius for his first uh, Premier League goal. This is Lucas Mora at his best, um, driving ball through through uh, through lines of pressure, playing quick passes with with target with target men, and uh, either taking a shot or laying it off for others himself. Oh, and we're back to there. But that's it. That's the one play I got on Lucas Mora. So he has that potential, right? But um, but it's so few and far between. And Spurs are just such a um, I can't think of think of a kind word. So I'll just say uh, they're they're difficult. They're a difficult one to watch. Um, and 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 not one. And I don't think that it's one we can trust. Okay. Thanks, man. So I think I mean it's very different to what you normally do. So I think it is yeah, one of those ones I which I do have the Chelsea ones. I we have to go to the Chelsea ones before I go ahead. <laughs> oh shit! Have I just <laughs> have I chucked you off early? <laughs> do, your, do your do your Chelsea one. Hang on a minute. There we go. Right, go. Sorry, there we buddy. go. Just oh, <laughs> really quickly. It's because it's because you were back on the beach again. You see, I thought you were done. Oh man, I, I wish. <laughs> Maybe after the show. Um, so the the Chelsea one. This is Kai Havertz, and I wanted to talk about this one because I know uh, I know Hibbo also wrote about about Chelsea and, and made perhaps a, a way to break that template. Um, really quickly here, we have Alonso uh, about to cross the ball, and the reason the reason I I put this slide up there is because Kai Havertz is holding is ho he's not going towards the ball a lot a lot of attackers sometimes go towards the ball too soon and they close down their own space and we'll see we'll see in a moment that Havertz is actually uh, guilty of this as well so we have Kai here kind of around the penalty spot he stays around that spot until until the ball is hit Alonso hits the ball here there's a nice passing lane right to that spot Havertz is sitting right between the defenders and and I I love the finish here. The, the, this play is reminiscent of Havertz at, at Leverkusen late last season, filling in for Holler and, and, and the and the injured boys there. And it's just a just a little little tap to the inside of his boot, going far post. Uh, does get a deflection, but it was going in anyway, so not a known goal. Um, good good play and promising signs for Havertz. No, I think that was that was given us an OG. I think was it? I uh, it was a fantasy assist for um, Havertz. I think. Uh, I think that's I think in this game he has two fantasy assists because he gets fouled for the pen, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then that's a shame that that ball was going, that was really close. I thought it was going towards the post. I thought I thought the goal was given. Um, but he he has that ability, that one touch ability that maybe uh, Timo Werner doesn't have. Um, so I, I we could maybe expect to to see him, you know, playing that false nine more. Uh, here's here's a play again. Havertz checks really smartly from that from the false nine position. Look how deep he's he's quite deep in midfield. He's around. So Jorginho has has the ball pretty much on the on the center line, and Havertz comes in around the top of the the circle there in the attacking half, so, and he sits in between the three the three defenders. Everyone's in pretty good space. It's not tight spaces here. Um, if Jorginho plays Havertz left foot, they they beat three players with one pass. Unfortunately, Jorginho puts it on his on his right foot, 
and and swing the ball and he goes to reese james um and the play kind of falls apart there but um but this this is good movement by havertz and and good uh, good recognition of space and behind him as well unfortunately Jorginho was not on the same page there in this in this play uh yeah sorry next play this is where things start to fall apart a little bit for havertz um havertz comes in and checks a little kind of like too close to um to who is that there? I, I don't remember who, who, who the player that has the ball is, but he checks in too close. And what he does, once he's in tight space, I've, I've found that Havertz has trouble. Um, every time there's tight space, he's phenomenal in intermediate space. When And then he can create and, and kind of hold those passing lanes. But once the space gets tight, and th in this one, Havertz actually closes down that space himself, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, once he sees he's not going to get the ball there because, well, there's no point. He's not facing the goal and there's no space for him to, to maneuver. He then turns, but he turns towards Alonso. So, uh, like, towards the outside where Alonso's coming in from, from that outside. And then, so he takes both of those players. He takes himself and Alonso out, out of the picture here. Um, if he turns the other way, Ziyech is at the top of the D. If he turns the other way and makes a run behind Ziyech, Ziyech can then make that run kind of, where in the space where he's vacating and then the, then the play could develop much better so kai havertz is his kind of his awareness and spatial recognition in in tight areas uh i believe is a concern here's another example of havertz in in intermediate areas he gets he gets the lane on the defender he gets the lane both on the ball and he gets and he's he gets the lane on the goal and we and we know he's going to go up one-on-one -on -one against the goalkeeper knowing that the goalkeeper is Pickford, it, this is really predictable what's going to happen here. And I believe in this moment where he's still outside the box, the ball is still in the air, I think Havertz knows he's going to get a penalty right here. Sure enough, there's Pickford in the pink, quick touch outside um, by Havertz, and Pickford takes him out, and there's that second fantasy assist that, uh, that Hibble was talking about here. All right, and uh, I think I... just one more, last one here against Leeds. Again, in intermediate, in intermediate space, Ziyech playing the ball from deep. Havertz sees sees the lane against against Leeds here from the top of the box, and that leads him into the box. Unfortunately, his the way this play ends, his approach to the ball is not very good. Um, the, the space closed down quite quickly, and and the shot is not not what he'd hoped, but keeping the space in the intermediate passing game is is a specialty of Havertz. Okay. That's it. Okay, cool. So, all right. So, it's nice to finish on Havertz because I think what we're going to do now is, I've already given people a sneak peek about five minutes ago when I jumped off the screen early, but we're going to go across to Hibbo now because I think, uh, mate, you've got some analysis on Chelsea for us, haven't you? So, uh, let's uh, let's have a look at that. And uh, there you go. You're on TV now. Look with that picture. It's quite beautiful. Quite that's, that's a bit of FPL doodles. Um, <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right, so, mate. I'll put the first slide on for you. Yeah, that's grand. And then whenever I, I want you to move on from slide to slide, so I'll, shout, I'll move I'll, it on. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a shout. Okay. So I read an article for, for Fantasy Football Hub, and it's entitled Breaking the Template. So the focus this week was in Chelsea and there's specifically the reason for Chelsea was if you look at the fixture ticker here on the screen and this this is the Hubs ticker they rank top now over the next five and they have they have 
some juicy fixtures. So you're talking West Brom, Crystal Palace, um, Brighton at home, West Ham away, and Fulham at home. Now, I think the appeal here is these fixtures are great, and, the, and the, these fixtures are great in the very short term. So if you think about West Brom in terms of a punt, but I also think for those that have their wild card sitting at the minute. Punting on the right Chelsea players isn't going to pack Comanche the game week 31 wildcard. So like the like the like of yourself, I think Marner, you're sitting on a wildcard for 31. You, no, you no, might, I've used mine. I've used oh, you've used yours? Um, I'll tell you who it is. It'll be Surya. Right, um, right. Yeah, Surya. Okay. So I, I think it's a case, if you do move for Chelsea players, you're not going to be committed onto that wildcard necessarily in game week 31 because I know there's going to be some developments. We're waiting to see when double game weeks and stuff are going to be uh, fitted on the rest of the season and that could happen further down the line. So in terms of Chelsea, uh, looking at looking at Chelsea, the arrival of Tuchel, he took over for, for the game week 20 fixture at home against Wolves and his number one priority really was um, to tighten up the defence. So if you just want to move the next slide there for me, uh, Marner, please. Hold on a second. Right, let me just. Uh, there we go. So, on this slide, we can see that Chelsea, in terms of their underlying numbers, they basically have ranked since Tuchel took over as one of the best defences in the league. So, they've conceded the least shots. They've conceded the least shots in the box. They've conceded the least shots in target. They've shipped the least big chances. They've shipped the least goals and they've achieved the most clean sheets. Now, it's particularly noteworthy that in the last 10 games, they've conceded two goals and they've kept eight clean sheets. Now, I joked on the Q&A session on Sunday night that I don't own the Chelsea defender. I don't think you guys own Chelsea defenders. I think it is the case that Chelsea have been slept on a butt and I think it has been the case that since mid-season, we've been basically zigzagging between blank game weeks and double game weeks. So our focus has always been all, how are we going to navigate this blank? How are we going to navigate this double? And in the meantime, since game week 12, Chelsea's defence has been like a brick wall. They've been keeping clean sheets for fun. The lick, I think, Harry, FPL Taps, he's a Chelsea fan, he'll tell you himself. Uh, Chelsea fans are saying it's 1-0 to the Chelsea these days. And I think it's maybe starting to turn. So if you can, if you can just move to the next slide for me. Yeah, which actually says defence instead of attack. So don't worry, I swear I've confused you all. Right, no, that's okay. That's that's okay. I'll I'll, I'll do me. Normal. There's, no, there's at least no, there's normally one cock up on the slides a week, and there's two this week. So there we go. <laughs> it's normal. But I, no extra charge for the second one. No extra charge. So see, despite the uptick in form, um, Tuchel has basically been unbeaten in the Premier League since since he took over Chelsea. The Chelsea t- attack has actually underperformed despite their unbeaten record. So since game week 20, Chelsea, while they rank per appearance, now I thought it was important they, they categorise this per appearance because Chelsea have played two games less than, say, Manchester City. So per appearance, they rank top for shots, but they've been quite wasteful. So they've only scored 33% of their bike chances. So I think over the period, Chelsea had 21 bike chances and they scored seven. Um, I think over the period, Manchester City, although they played an extra two games, they had 35 bike chances and they scored 20. So uh, there's there's a fair disparity between a the number of bike chances that Manchester City are creating and b how clinical Man City are. Um, there have been signs now in the last four games in all competitions that Chelsea are starting to click because they've they've won three of the last four, two goals to nil. So maybe the one nil to the Chelsea is it's maybe not going to happen this week. And I think if you just click to the next slide in terms of looking at the matchup. 
So I think the statistical matchup looks very favourable for Chelsea this week. So since Allardyce's appointment, he he was appointed in game week 14. I think rather harshly, Bollish got the sack. Um, I couldn't even really believe it. Like, you know, I don't I don't really know where West Brom are trying to pitch themselves as a side. Um, you know, <laughs> But like in all honesty, like they were they were always going to be battling relegation. And I thought Bollich was doing a good job, and I think they sacked him when they sacked him. I thought it was a disgrace. But anyway, since game week fourteen, West Brom I've categorised them as impotent, really, because they rank worst in the league for shots on target with with thirty nine shots. Um, again, their their defence is particularly shaky. They rank worst for shots on target conceded, and they rank worst for both actual goals conceded and expected goals conceded. So I think in terms of that matchup, Chelsea will be licking their laps a wee bit. So now I'm going to have a more kind of player-specific focus now. Um, yeah. And the reason I like touching Chelsea this week is what I was saying, because a lot of people are thinking about this this this, this game week 31 wildcard. They might decide this week they roll a dice and pick a player that they that they wouldn't pick in the long term. And I think a player that fits that category is, is Havertz. Um, I know Gabe had touched on him there and the fact that he's playing false nine. And to be completely honest, like since he arrived from Leverkusen, he's had a fairly tough start to life in the Premier League. He seems to have struggled to adjust, although in fairness, I think early season, I think Lampard was playing him in the wrong position. It was it was I think Lampard kind of lumbered him with a lot of kind of defensive duties. And I think really, if you're going to see the best out of Havertz, you gotta be playing him as a number 10. And I think now Tuchel's going a wee step forward and he's playing him nearly as a 9.5. So he's kind of a wee bit number 10, a wee bit number 9. Earlier in the season, he had, a, he had a touch of COVID as well and he took a while to get over it. But we were looking at, say, the Chelsea's lack of conversions. What I'm saying, they were only converting 33% of their big chances. And I think that Tuchel is looking at Havertz now as maybe his antidote for the fact that Chelsea have been quite wasteful in front of goal. So they have Giroud, they have... Abraham, Werner doesn't even seem to rank in, in terms of a striker because he seems to have been pushed like out to the left wing. I don't think the Tuchel's settled on either Abraham or Giroud as he's forward. So he's given Havertz a go in the last two, and I think it's been quite interesting that he's played out of position. It's not a new experience um, for Havertz to be playing a striker. Now, look on uh, in my analysis from a piece for the hub this week. Looking at Leverkusen last year, they had injuries to their two main starting strikers, and Havertz was kind of deployed as like a utility forward. They talk about the Bundesliga being in two two halves, and in the, in the closing stage of the Bundesliga, Havertz scored ten goals, and the majority of those goals came when he was playing as a centre forward. Um, you have the data on the screen that I'm going to refer to now. Now, this is this is a very, very small data sample. But over the last two games, when we're looking specifically at midfielders, Havertz ranks joint top amongst midfielders for shots on target and joint second for shots in the box. Now, I think they provide a wee bit of context here as well. The game against Leeds was Havertz. It was his first start after he had the prolonged period out. So there was a wee bit of rust. The, the footage that Gabriel showed where he had he had the chance and he maybe took a touch that took him too wide, I think that was maybe a sign of the rust. Um, there's a figure in my analysis from his Bundesliga period for the second half of the season where he scored 10 goals that he didn't actually miss a big chance, which I thought was just incredible stat. Like, um, if, you, if we're going to you know, reference back to breaking a template, going into this game week, 
his, his top 10k ownership was 0.09%. So I think his ownership is basically on the floor. And if we're looking at, say, West Brom, you would fancy Havers to get the clean sheet point. He's also got the additional point of the goal with uh, over, say, like a traditional striker, which appeals because he's playing out of position. So chance at a goal kind of does Havers for a double-digit uh, haul, I think. If you just move to your next slide now for me, please, Marner. So I'm going to talk about Alonso now, and normally I would like completely frown upon tapping a uh, defender as a punt, but Alonso just, I think inside Alonso's head, I don't think he thinks he's a forward. I don't think he thinks he's a left wing back. I think he thinks he's a striker. He was frozen out by Frank Lampard and Tuchel's giving him like uh, a bit of renaissance. But what I will say is his game time is completely split with Ben Chilwell. So they seem to be rotating. What I will say is he, has, he was rested prior to the international break. He's played no minutes over the international break because he's not the Spain squad. Chilwell has played minutes for England and he has played minutes prior. And the general uh, consensus in the community is that Alonso's going to play against them deep black sites. Um, just to look at his stats here, like if you're looking in terms of his, uh, his underlying numbers since game week 21, just to look at how attacking he actually is, he ranks amongst defenders first for shots, so he has 13 shots, and he's had 10 of those shots have come within the box. He's also created three bank chances and he ranks second amongst defenders for touches on the box. But ju just to give a wee bit of kind of context to this, he's only played 478 minutes. Like if you look at Cancelo there, 669 minutes. If you look at Veltman, 702 minutes. Dunk, 810. Dallas, 900. He's, he's, he's played like 75%, in some cases nearly half those kind of minutes. Um, and these are the numbers he can produce. So this is to say, like, if we get a kind of gut feel that Alonso is going to start, his numbers nearly border on, like, attack and midfielder, in some cases, striker level, like, you know. Um, in terms of ownership, if I'm going to kind of refer, refer back to my breaking the template, going under, looking at the previous game week's top top 10K numbers from Live FPL, it, it was only a 0.36% of top 10K teams. Now, that's completely understandable because for his price, we don't really know if he's going to start. But again, if I'm referring to people that are going to play the wild card in game week 31, he's a real roll of dice one because I think you could roll a dice in Alonso, he could get you a zero and not play. In which case, if you have the, if you have the game week 31 wild card, I don't think he's a safe pick. I think he maybe pack Kamachide a wild card a wee bit more than, say, like an Azpilicueta or like a Rudiger. But in terms of a punt, I'm not going to recommend those guys as a punt because they're kind of steady, steady, safe defensive picks in my mind. Um, if you want to just click on to my next slide here now, uh, please, Marner. So we're going to talk about Mason Mount now, and he was like Frank Lampard's love child, really. Like, you know, um, there, 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 was, there was this huge love on with Mason Mount and Frank Lampard, and people wondered, like, when Tuchel took over, was it going to be a case that the English guy was going to be put in the naughty step and pushed out to the side? And it hasn't been the case. Like, I, I'm kind of surprised. Like, when, when I when I went in and they do my analysis in Chelsea, Mount is actually Chelsea's top point scorer this season, which I kind of thought was was unbelievable. And he's posted some kind of respectable numbers, but they haven't been, like, air-shattering. Um, so since, since Tuchel's appointment, the Englishman, and that was in game week 20, the Englishman ranks among, amongst midfielders, seventh for shots in 21, and he ranks sixth for key passes, 21. Um, in his previous game this season, 
against West Brom. He had a goal and assist, and he hauled 12 points. So, like, some FPL managers in the community, and I can be one to think like that. Sometimes I think that, that certain players... They have like a, they have like good memory of like playing a certain team, and you'll often see like like Vardy might do well against Arsenal and stuff like that. You know, you'll often see them coming out and the haul against that team again. I think an interesting point is that against Southampton, Mount stepped up and took the penalty. Now, Jorginho, he he, he has been taking the penalties when he's been on the pitch. Sometimes Jorginho's rotated. He is flagged at the minute from international duty, so it could maybe add to the short-term appeal and mount. Now, whether that flag stands up or whether Jorginho goes on to miss out, that remains to be seen. But I think it adds to his potential appeal again. 3.8% ownership in the top 10k. Mount's got potential. If I'm being completely honest, I would have Havertz ahead of him. If you want to just hit the next slide now, and we're going to... It could... It could it could be a contender for a troll of the season, really. So we've got Timo. We've, we've got certainly for me. <laughs> yes, he was, first five he was, game weeks. Thank you, Bebo. Thanks for reminding he, me. He was part of that Twitter template, and he was part of like I suppose, like all kind of fantasy message board templates early in the season. And he like has endured like a very mixed start compared to the numbers that he was putting up in, in Bundesliga. Like he was comparable to Lewandowski in terms of summaries, summaries numbers, but he's had a very tough start to life. And I think that was summed up in international, on the international break where he's open goal mass against Macedonia. Just how kind of devoid of confidence Werner is at the minute. Um, I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate as well here and just say, like, if I'm looking at these recent underlying numbers, I think they make for a recent interesting reading when you analyse them over 90 minutes. So I feel that it was an important adjustment they make because Werner's started on the bench a couple of games and a few other teams have had an extra number of matches. So whenever I analyse Werner from like game week 24, and I'm looking solely at 90 minutes, he ranks second amongst now all players in the league for shots in the box and big chances. And he's second on that period only to the on-fire Kalechi Ian Acho. Now, those numbers have kind of been twisted in a certain way because we are looking at a certain period and we are looking at over 90 minutes. But I do think there's been an improvement on Werner. Um, he has been wasteful. I'm not going to lie. He has been wasteful. And since like Tuchel's appointment in game week 20, no player in the league has received more big chances than Timo Werner. So he's had nine big chances. I'm going to caveat him a certain way and say, I do think he's a flat track bully. If, if, we, if we look at his numbers, and I think this season he's got five goals and eight total assists. Now I know a number of those are fantasy assists because he tends to get fouled for penalties a lot. All those returns, with the exception of the fantasy assist against Spurs, have come against sides outside of the traditional big six. So he is definitely a flat trap bully. What I will say is, Colin Hayes put a tweet out today. It was a quote from um, Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel has basically confirmed that Werner's going to start. So if you are like thinking I'm going to take a punt in Chelsea with a few day game week 31 wildcard. I know some people have concerns about say Havertz because he played a fair bit of time over the international break. You know he's going to you know Werner's going to start because of what um Tuchel has said. So like just just to, just to conclude my piece that, that that that's going to be me finishing up now. But like I'm going to say like Chelsea do appeal to those both with and without a wildcard, because like if you have a wildcard, you can have a punt, and your punt can be a wee bit looser, and you could maybe go for an Alonso and a Havertz, and if they don't work out, you can just scrub the deck clean. 
but I think at the same token, if we're looking at Chelsea's defensive numbers, we're looking at their fixture run over the next five game weeks. For me, I don't have a wild card, and I'm kind of looking at a defender, and I'm thinking maybe Rudiger. Um, I think Rudiger at 4.7 million is insane value, insane value. I think there's going to be a chance that he's going to be rotated. But if you're looking at Rudiger 4.7, Aspel Equita 5.8, for me, without a wild card, I don't feel that I can punt in Alonso. Um, I feel that he's kind of like a transfer waiting to happen because like the minutes are completely split with Chilwell. Um, if I had, to, if I was pushed on an attacker, I would still probably say Kai Havertz. I think looking at people, the structure of people's teams, and looking, looking at say the forwards that have games this week, like you're looking at say Mikel Antonio, and I think people are talking about benching Mikel Antonio against Wolves. Some people depend on how strong their front eight is. They maybe don't want to rest Gundogan. They may, you know, I think it's crazy talk. Um, Bamford's got a great fixture. Um, Kane's obviously got a great fixture. And when you're looking at Calvert-Lewin's got a great fixture and we know Crystal Palace can't keep headers out. So like when you're taking all this into account, you're kind of trying to say, how do we fit Werner under that mix? It's hard to do when you consider how bad it's been this season. That's me wrapped up, boys. Thanks, mate. I, uh, really I, uh, good. I have a question, like a follow-up question here on, because I think it was about three weeks ago, I got a DM from FPL Baker. We, we know Baker from our, our stereo chats. We met him there. Um, he's ranked in the, he has triple digit ranked the 700 in the world, 500 in the world, right around there. And three weeks ago, he mentioned Andreas Christensen to me. And nobody was talking about him. And then I was listening to the FPL Banger podcast, which for listeners, viewers, if you haven't, get on that podcast. It's, it's one of my absolute favorites of the week. And Sam um, was talking about how uh, Christensen's bonus points. So Christensen has started every game since game week 23, barring one. The, that's the game week 25 match against Sheffield United. And he has bonus points in one, two, three out of those, let's see, one, two, three out of the six matches he's played, he has bonus points. He has nine, he has eight, he has seven. Whereas, uh, and, and he costs 4.7 because Christensen makes those those great um, kind of through balls from deep. Um, just he, he has that long vision. That's really, that's really, that's really good. Whereas Rudiger at the same price, 4.7, he doesn't get bonus points. And and they're probably somewhat equally nailed. Is Christensen a uh, so the question is, and this is something that, that Sam brought up on the Banger podcast. And he said he said that if he were on wild card, he would go Christensen instead of Rudiger. And I thought that was a really interesting and and, and fresh take. And I'm starting to agree with it. I've I've had uh, Tony Rudiger since game week 25, and looking at it now, if I were to double up. I think Rudiger and Christensen could be a, a nice double up. I mean, I, I did listen to that, and he's a player that I've never considered. <laughs> never even gone there. I've never yeah. even gone. I'll tell you, my perspective is I'm I'm um I'm in the Dave camp. I'm in the Dave Aspilaqueta camp at the, at the moment. I think um, I I don't have a wild card. I will be going on to a Chelsea. Uh, defender for sure, um, and I th I thought that Aspilicueta also I think maybe he's a little bit better on bonus points than Rudiger. I don't think Rudiger's very good on bonus points at all, no. from from my perspective. So I was looking at Aspilicueta, but 
but well why not uh, i think the issue is is how nailed are they and i think two shells so um that's i don't know whether there's going to be whether we're going to start to see some rotation on that as well i don't it sounds like gabe's got someone drilling in the house now <laughs> just one more thing I, I actually do this construction here <laughs> I'm moving houses and there's like boxes and people repairing things. So so they started jackhammering us up. I've, so I've, I've been attacked by the cat. Hippo, <laughs> Hippo's gone into uh, freeze mode, disappeared. Now we've got someone drilling. He's put himself on mute there, so it's not, it's not too bad. Can he go out and tell him to piss off? <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, just keep yourself muted. I'm going to carry on just for a minute and then we'll bring you back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So well, let's carry on, mate. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to put the next um, slide up and it's Suchet Watch and uh, for potato salad lovers everywhere as usual. And what we're going to do as always is we're going to have a look at the metric for headers. And the uh, first things first, let's look how we did last week. Well, we got a return from Dunk, but not a header. Um, Gabe, you went for toes in, um, not a lot of good. Um, and I think Nima couldn't even think of anybody. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there we go. Um, this week, interesting matchups for headers Spurs against Newcastle, uh, Everton against Palace, surprise, surprise, uh, Liverpool against Arsenal, Wolves against West Ham, and West Ham against Wolves. So both of those uh, teams have a chance for a uh, for a headed chat. But Spurs-Newcastle is the best matchup out of them all. Um, but who are we going to go for this week? Well, we are, or I am going to pick Calvert-Lewin. I, I think given that the, <laughs> I think it's a bit of a no-brainer um personally i just have a funny feeling that calvert lewin is going to uh going to get one this week could have been kane but i thought he's a bit boring so i thought I'll, I'll go for calvert lewin as as my uh as my person who i think is going to score a goal but with a header um hibbo have you got any it's a bit of fun this but who would you have you got anyone in in the back of your mind who you think might pop up and bury a header i'll i'll stay in the same fixture here but i'll say yeah mina Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite nice. That's quite nice. Gabe, have you still got noise? Still got it's 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 intermittent, so I'll try to slip it in here when the when the, the noise goes down a little bit. I I can't get past Calvert Lewin. I, I, I tried. It's just, it's just like it's it's just too obvious. Um so I'm I'm going with you on Calvert Lewin. It, it, and it could be a good it, it could be a day for a Lucas. Oh there we go. <laughs> Could be a day for a, a dean owner. So yeah, Harry on that FPL tips. As a dean owner, he's hoping for an assist. Well, I think that is, I think it would be very nice. I, I don't own Calvert Lewin, so I'm a bit worried about it. Gabe, it's the little prince pick. Do you want? <laughs> is there too much noise there? <laughs> it's it's you. Can do you, do you want me to do it? <laughs> I, I was I was about to move, but I think I think I can do it really quick. Little Prince pick it. <laughs> so loud. 
Go, go, you do. <laughs> I can't believe it. The go little prince, do it. The little prince pick of the week. Can you see who it is, everybody? I want a guess. Who do you think it is? You could just see his his eyes pointing out from behind that crown. Who do you think it is? Oh, come on. There's no one commenting in the color. I'm gonna give it five, four, three, two, one. See if anyone gets no one has. Here we go. Diego Yotta. Uh Hibbo. Jota's in form, right? He'd come back out of out of the international break looking very good. He scored before he went on the international break. This is what Klopp's saying. He's obviously in a good moment. They always what? say this. These, these foreign managers always say a good moment, don't they? Yeah, I don't understand. Why don't you just say, yeah, he's playing all right, right? You know. Uh, it's, it's basically the same thing, but it sounds kind of fancy. Yeah, but what what do you think? Do you think um, Yotta? Do you think he's a? Do you think he can do something against Arsenal? I don't think Arsenal were particularly good at the back against. Well, I suppose it was a tale of two halves against West Ham. I thought first half they were an abomination. I know I like to say abomination, but they were they weren't great. Now um, I like Jarvis fixtures more from game week thirty one on. If I'm being totally honest with you, like um, I don't know. Like if I had to pick something a wee bit more outside the box this week. I don't know if he would be my pick for that, but I think he's going to be a great pick, and I think a lot of people are maybe going to move towards maybe a Salah Jada double up or a Trent Jada double up, something like that, for the run on from game week thirty one, which is entirely back in the fixtures, not really back in the form, but I think that's the benefit of people in the wild card, like I suppose. Well, he he's so, he. Well, well, Sorry, one thing that like the the kind of the main impetus here for for going with Jota is one his form. He's just he's come back and he's just incredible form. I think he scored uh, four goals in his last three matches for club and country. Um, secondly, uh, when I did my kind of matchup analysis on West Ham Arsenal, um, I predicted goals in that match because of how they both concede through the middle. Now I li I I kind of see the same thing in this match. I predict goals here. I, I don't think, you know, obviously Liverpool's defense is struggling with all the injuries. And uh, and and if especially, and I do expect Jota to play through the middle. Um, I, I, I just see if talking about like, you know, also breaking the template, uh, kind of hearkening to, to Hibbo's uh, writing. I, I think Jota is a great way to break the template this week because it, it seems like it could be a tricky matchup. But I, I see it playing out similarly to the, to the West Ham game. Um, so he, I mean, he he might be my captain this week. I'm undecided on captain, um, but I I may, I may go I may go with Jota maybe. That's brave. That's brave. <laughs> what do I have to lose? I'm 350k. <laughs> I, I do like him though. I think he fits into our skinny mid uh, scenario. Gabe, we've been on about it for a while, haven't we? We we like our skinny mids, and uh, I think yeah, he could be a. It could even be a Gundogan replacement, perhaps, mm -hmm. going forwards. I'm not sure. Maybe you might want to keep him, but certainly I, I like the look of Yotta, and I think maybe a double up with Salah might be might be on the cards as well. Um, okay, so that's that that bit. Now let's quickly move on to the captaincy. A bit mindful of time. Um, so last week, how did we do? Well, the community poll got got it right. Kane, the metric got it right with Rafinha. Um, the cat pick, idiot, got it completely wrong. He's just sat on my feet now. Um, Obama Yang and uh, the differential dunk as well returned. 
So three out of four. We still, I don't think, have had a four out of four, actually. I think we've always missed one somewhere. Um, but, but, yeah, not too bad. Um, so let's now move to the the metric, the Mariner. And the metric is continuing. Apart from a little blip in game week 26, you know, it's it's got it. It's, it's returned every week since game week 19 now. Um, so the metric's running at a 79% hit rate now. At 16.3 points a week. So it's now projected to get 621 points. And it's only blanks this season have been three with Bruno and two with Salah and one with Vardy. That's it. That's its only blanks. Um, as for me, it's a different story, I'm afraid, um, <laughs> because I don't always follow it. 66% hit rate for me. I'm looking at 14.5 average. Uh, and projected 550 points, which is still a moral victory for me compared to last year's crap. Um, but yeah, hey, still not, still missing out. And my blanks, and I think it's well worth talking about my blanks here. Five Sala blanks I've had this season. Maybe you just don't learn, eh? Um, two K. I mean, last, last season was a ha hashtag always Captain Sala. This and season, look at that. Quite the opposite. Five right? Sala blanks, right? Um, so yeah. So I think it's just one of those. It's one of those ones where you wouldn't have expected. I think the metric is sometimes a little bit behind. It takes, especially if someone's coming back from injury, it takes a while for it to for them to pick it up, to pick up. But uh, yeah, well, it's doing well enough. It's doing well enough. And uh, I mean, we we really should start comparing this metric against the other metrics out there. And there's even been discussions this week about a new metric someone's been trying to devise a metric on twitter for advice so uh yeah it maybe there'll be a few more next year to consider as well so anyway let's keep going um and the next one is the the poll for this week um and this is where we'll, we'll whiz through this whiz through the cat pick and then get on to the captain metric which i think is the thing which people are very keen to see um well the poll basically has Kane top 63%. That is pretty similar, I think, to last week. I think it was quite high there as well. 63%. Now, we gave him a we gave everybody a choice of City. They picked KDB out. We give them a choice of Leeds. They picked Rafinha out. And we give them a choice of Chelsea, and they picked Alonso. But in second place, it was Rafinha with ninth, with 20%. KDB, KDB and Alonso equal third at 9% in this poll. So, Kane by a country mile, boys. What do you think? Do you think that's expected? Yeah, completely. Newcastle are awful. Yeah. <laughs> Straight to the point. Straight to the point. Well, let's see who the cat picked then, because we gave him a choice of Kane and Rafinha. So, it's only a short one today, because I think he was hungry again. So, let's quickly go to that. <laughs> There we go. Bloody <laughs> hell. Rafinha. So the cat's gone for Rafinha. And now he's decided to join me on stage. The cat is now about to jump on the on the on the table. So you might see him in a second. 
He knew uh, it was her slut. He knew it was her slut. He's here. He's just sat, just sat looking at me now. He nearly knocked my wine glass over. I've just had to move it. But, uh, oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Right, boys. We, we, I can't believe we're so long into this pod. It's crazy. Captain Symmetric. So, just to clarify here, the metric will not account for anyone who is under, who has been benched for more than 30% of uh, playing time in the last six game weeks. That is important point here today. So, right, let's put it up and let's see who is going to be. And hopefully it should automatically come on. Or is it going to? I'd have to click it again. Here we go. Rafinha is top of the captain metric. He was top last week as well, to be fair. Um, let's quickly just look at this. Rafinha this week has a metric of 83. 80, sorry. Last week he had 73. So this is a better matchup. Bamford, 79, second. Mares third with 79. Mares is the only Manchester City asset making it on the metric. And he has been rotated 27.5% of the last six game weeks. So he's barely making it as well. So City, I think that just sums up where we are with City, right? You know, these expensive assets, which we were looking at captaining, we don't know. And the, the metric's saying it. It's, it's actually saying we're not sure about this. Um just to give you the other second and third last week, Bale and Bale and Bamford, 71 each. So these are better matchups for all three of these players compared to last, to last week. Looking at Rafinha himself, fixture, good, 115. Green, nicely green. Form, 5.77 points in the last 90. Uh, per, per 90, sorry, of the last six. One occasion of two plus returns in the last 12. Seven occasions of one return in the last 12. He's owned by, I think, 16% at the time of when I, when I actually ran the metric. Um, so he's a bit of a, it looks like a, a bit of a sword pick, potentially, uh, from my side. And he was rested in the international break. And I think, Gabe, you mentioned there was a tweet out, which I think we should give it a shout out at this point about the international break, wasn't there? Who, who was that from again? That was the, uh, it's really loud here right now. So. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you put it in the comments? Put it in the comments. <laughs> it was the tweet. Might... Yeah, the tweet. Have... Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the tweet was a guy called Jose Costa. He, he, he posted on the Yeah, and um, it was a great tweet that basically rounded up like all kind of major players' um, minutes, outputs, goals, and assists over the international break. So yeah. I think I got about 400, 500 likes, something like that. You know, it was it was very good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, just looking at the um, the other the other two, then Bamford, same fixture, of course, slightly worse form, but does have more hauls, which was note which is noticeable. Um, but he has blanked more. He is he was flagged. He's not flagged now, um, but owned by forty eight percent. All right. So and then Mares third fixture slightly worse than the the Leeds um, matchup wise form slightly less five point six four but again has similar numbers two two occasions of the last twelve um, of more than more than two returns 
and six of one are owned by 7.3 mares he's it's just the pep roulette isn't it it's just the pep roulette with all this this is the problem um and i just want to just mention this as well harry kane is seventh that's that's what i wanted to mention really quick six, sorry, before six. start talk hammering here oh. yeah he's he's <laughs> sixth i've just I rem, i've just realized i removed cresswell because it, cresswell was above him as well um i think this spurs i mean i know hibbo you mentioned that they've had a couple of big wins but i think the numbers don't for some reason the numbers are not picking it and i'll tell you what else is not picking it if you look the his actual returns you know his expected expected points are actually not that high either um but you can't ignore this fixture and i think the fixture for some reason like say in my metric doesn't have that fixture very favorable who, so, who, who are you going with who, who are you packing at this moment my captaincy is on kane same i'm going kane as well no brainer um, like I, I'm, I'm not i'm not i haven't even considered anybody else if i'm being told no to be fair i have i have considered rafinha and i have considered bamford but i think i'm i'm thinking that uh, sometimes it's a time where you just don't over just don't overthink too much and as much so, as i'm a strong believer in numbers um and stats i'm also looking at it from the perspective of my positioning you know my rank as well so i'm thinking that probably kane's a better option for me so, so speaking speaking of kind of things that aren't represented here though one thing that one reason i'm, I'm worried about rafinha a little bit is because um <clears throat> I, th I think he gets like 35 percent of his returns at home or 30 percent or something like that it's quite a low number and then you think about about that pitch and it's it's a cause for concern um so i i could see why you know i think kane is the obvious one but the fact that he's kane is so low on this metric for me it, it, it screams opportunity it, it it screams opportunity to 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 swerve and, and go in a, in a different direction uh, i find it really interesting that mars is there i think mars is a great differential shout if you want to go in a, in a different way other than than gundawan from uh from city yeah, Mares only played 90 minutes. Um, I've got this from that that tweet. So he played 90 minutes in one. He, did, he was rested in one of the international games and played 90 minutes in the other one. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Mares could be could be quite interesting. If, um, I was, if I was trying to pick a punt out of these options, like and like, I'm not going to pick some kind of crazy punt that has like zero percent ownership. But if I was punting out of these options here, you know what I'm going to say already. I would I would go for Son. I think Newcastle are fairly weak on the right hand side and i think i think some could make hate i do I, like i do i do think i really do fancy this matchup you know and i do i do think some could go big this week and i do think kane could go big but if i if i was going to try and rail against like baggy o and stuff like that i think son's got legs your metric is basically saying you don't rate kane that highly so like maybe that as a maybe that as a sign that people could potentially go against the baggy o pack this week I think it is a week where you perhaps could could oppose him. Um, I just think <laughs> it's it's like anything. I think the Leeds side of things, you know, Bamford, there's Sheffield United are so bad. Newcastle are also so bad. If if there's an early goal, it could be either one of these could be an absolute. It could be carnage. Is is my view? I just I, we just got to work out as we say. Hippo, which which is which horse to back sort of thing really 
I think it's kind of um, significant for Newcastle in the last match. I think they lost Hayden through injury, and you know, like we don't really consider Hayden because he's not much of a fantasy player, but I think he's been important for Newcastle in terms of their midfield. I think there'll be a worse side without him as well. Like, you know, he, he, he's one of the few that'll put on a tackle and put the foot on. And I just think against Brighton, like Newcastle just, they completed so few chances, they, so so few passes. I don't even actually think they had a shot and target the whole game. They were just, they were disgraced, really. Like. Well, yeah, well, that, that's a great point about Hayden, actually. Really, really good point about Hayden. And and I think uh, another feather in the cap for Kane if Hayden is out from in that in that middle position he can drop and receive but like that's a great point okay all right so uh anyway so then with the metrics gone with Ra- uh, Rafinha then Bamford then Mares Kane's a bit further down even Lingard and Antonio have better matchups but which we mentioned that earlier didn't we we thought the uh, the West Ham matchup was was actually quite reasonable uh but anyway let's see how it let's see how it goes um as I say, it's been doing quite well. So let's see if it does it again. Um, the captain differential. Well, I've I've picked that this week, uh, and I've gone with Aspilicueta. I just think that I don't know. You might think he's a bit boring, but he does have a bit of uh, attacking involvement. Not a lot. He scored one. He scored one, hasn't he? Since he came back in, since since Tuchel, uh, I'm sure he scored. Uh, since Tuchel uh, came joined, um, I just think he could be a, a, a worthy shout. He's also he also gets a few bonus points. Um, what do you reckon, boys? Who would you go if you were going to pick a real differential? Yeah, I think Gabe, you'd probably go Yotta, wouldn't you? You're on mute. <laughs> You're on mute. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, my the, the differential pick would would be Jota. He's he's a consideration for me. I, I haven't decided yet, um, but that that would be my differential pick. Differential, differential pick quickly. I'll say Alonso. Right. No, no, good. Yeah, I think. What's uh, I'm also thinking of bringing this guy in anyway. So anyway, so there's the summary. So we've got Kane, community metric, Rafinha, cap pick, Rafinha, differential, Aspilicueta. Um, we are so late onto the questions, and I think we're going to – I don't know what we're going to do with these boys. What do you want to do? Do you want to take two or three and then um, get out of here, or are we are we all right for a few minutes? What's your what's your views? Do a couple of quick ones, will we? All right. Yeah, a couple of quick ones. We, we did do the, the Q&A earlier in the week, so I, I think we've answered a lot of questions this week. But uh, let, okay. let's just keep it – I think let's keep it under under two hours, fellas. No, absolutely. We'll just do two or three. We'll just do two or three. So, okay, let's see if I can find some. So – there's a Chelsea question. Let's let's go for that one. There's one for you, Hibbo. Um, Ten thirty-two. Uh, so, are we Tuchel's comments about trying to keep a squad fresh, even the centre backs? Um, are we worried about rotation, boys? With Chelsea now, given that he's been commenting, I think Thiago's back, isn't he? I think it depends who you go for. Like I know, I know, um, I know. Gabe was bagging up Christensen. Now, I do think that after Thiago comes back, I do think Christensen could be the one that suffers. He has done well. I think they're all potentially rotation risks. I think all Chelsea players are rotation risks. But that's kind of why you may draw us towards Rudiger because if, if he misses out, he's not going to break my heart. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 that's why I, almost why I'm thinking about Aspilicueta because I've, I've just got it into my head that he's just probably more nailed than others. But I, I might I be think, wrong. No, I think you're right. I think he's probably the most nailed, to be honest. Yeah. So but is that, is he gonna? You know, he's nailed, but he's not. He's not a spring chicken either. He's he's playing every single game, and is he is he gonna break down? Is he gonna is he gonna be rotated out of necessity? I I, I think so. I I, I think he's working at as Aspilicueta. There it is. Um, <laughs> had to get one in there. There was no no. This, uh, no like this is the first Spanish sounding name we've actually got to where you've actually said it. Oh, that noise. I can't believe it. I'd be going out there with my baseball bat and going and having a, a quiet word. I wrote brilliant. all matchups with this in my head. Oh, my all God. That's <laughs> incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I think uh, I want to start drinking in, in like by 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. What <laughs> bloody shambles is that? What could go wrong? Has gone wrong this today, anyway. Anyway, who cares? Next question. Do you, you just nod gabe or just or answering the comments or just <laughs> uh, next question uh abolash as is asking uh thoughts on how leicester might set up madison looking likely to return this week i mean my immediate thought hibbo is is brodge gonna um tread carefully with him i, I think he might well do for a for a short period I, i'm not that worried about players you know what how it might change things immediately what about you i they've, they've been going well madison i think i've seen madison come back from injury and him, him being the bench maybe the first game they start and he actually in good form like i know i know maybe what people are trying to get at here is like you know how much more irritation risk goes up whenever, say, Barnes comes back and Madison comes back. And I do think it could be true, but like any actual holders this week, I think he definitely plays Man City, given the history and the fact that he used to play for Man City. He scored a hatchet last week. You can't drop him this week. Um, going forward, it could be a rotation risk. And I do think that that there could be a case of, you know, I know loads of people are looking at wildcard drafts at the moment and they're saying any actual, any actual. And you could get two weeks down the line. He might not be in the team. I don't know. I, I'm not sold on him. I mean, there is a wild card question here, and I'm going to put it on the screen, but it's quite a big one. So I think, just generally speaking, wild carding in 33. Has anyone, if you were wild carding in 33, could keep a City and a Spurs player on the bench, bring two more of them for the next one, four Man City and three and spurs is good for the 34. i mean is there a good this this it's so team specific isn't it for course so these are very difficult questions to answer well uh fpl generals wildcarded this week some people are looking at wildcarding next week some people are looking at wildcarding next week um any particular idea on wild i mean obviously if you're wildcarding 33 spurs and city don't play but it's going to see you through to the end of the season, isn't it? Like, I Probably think Spurs. Right. I, I think Spurs have a good fixture before thirty-three, and I think in thirty-two no. they've got they've got a nice match. Are they have a double game week actually in thirty-two, and then and a double 30. game week in thirty-two, and then I think they've got a very nice fixture on the other side as well. Sheffield so United, maybe in the in, in game week thirty and game week thirty-four, yeah. and they, and they blank in thirty-three. Yeah. So, which kind of leads me to think, like, if you were kind of building up towards a double game week in thirty-two, you're going to have a couple of Spurs players. 
Why anyway. would you wait? Why, why would you wild card in thirty three to buy them back from minus four? It does, just doesn't really seem that logical to me. Yeah. Yeah. Gabe, are you, is it still too noisy there? I get moments like this, but then it's about to start again. <laughs> All right, and here we go. Here's another so, question. Actually, to, just, just to comment really quickly, I like that idea of wild, wild carding in 33 and getting like a mix of, of players for that week and a mix of players going forward. That I find that, that's interesting. Mm, okay. Um, so, Rajveer, um, second question. Should we stay away from... Well, he's basically saying teams that are on the beach. Um, are we going to see? We had a bit of a chat about beach questions, didn't we, on um, Tuesday? Yeah. Um, where I stand on the beach, I'm just going to be fairly quick at this because I'm conscious of time. But yeah. where I stand with the whole kind of beach thing is just start watching games, start watching highlights. Like you're going to see from your eye test who's slacking off and who's not. Because I know that the, the we had a query for or a question for the last Q and A where people are saying, you know which teams are going to be on the beach and i think it's too early to tell until you're actually watching the games and i think when you're watching the games you'll see who's maybe not putting it on anymore and that's that's the only advice i would give people watch your matches and just kind of pack up on it yourself like you know you'll you'll see in the community people will start talking and say burnley are gone or such and such you know you'll notice but i kind of think there's another factor with the beach and the fact that i kind of thought about this since the last week and like once the pressure's off you might kind of see some games that are nearly like an exhibition because I know when we go on the last game week of the season, you see sometimes a team getting bit maybe 7-1 because there's no pressure on. And like the team winning maybe has nothing to play for and the team losing maybe has nothing to play for. Like, you know, and you might see like some huge scoreline like I think last last game week of the season is usually very high scoring. Hmm. Yeah, good point. So there's a couple of other questions, but I think what we'll do is we'll just try and wrap up. We'll just do a couple of very, very fast single pretty much single answers just to finish so okay Cancelo to Alonso or Gundogan to Rafinha Alonso Gabe yeah <laughs> okay at this Alonso Dunk Stones or concert to Alonso which one pre pre wildcard 31 pre wildcard 31 Dunk Stones or concert it depends. Long. It depends how much value he has tied up on them, and and which of them he maybe wants to keep long term. So if if he's like kind of thinking on his wildcard that he would keep stones long term, well, I wouldn't take stones out this week if you've got value tied up on them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think Kanza just just based on the 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 metrics. Okay, and the last question today, and I'm sorry if we've not got to you all because it's we've we've run over a little bit. We've had some technical difficulties as well. Jota versus Lingard versus Madison versus Gundogan. <laughs> Pick two till the end of the season. Jota, Lingard, Madison, Gundo. Jota and Lingard for me. Jota and Lingard. Yeah, I... I think this is a hundred. I think this is a hundred percent. And a second question here. In addition, worth bring, worth bringing back Bruno? Question mark. Okay. Yes, I mean for for sure. Uh, Bruno's not done. His season is not over. But I I don't think there's any rush. I think no. this. I think this Brighton fixture is it, it just stinks of. Man United, 1-0, 86 minutes, Bruno Penn. You know, this is kind of where it... 
But well, remember, remember, the, remember the first one where Bruno got that pen in the 92nd minute or something uh, like that. He, it, was, it, was, oh, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, my, my evil nature has gone for a 1-0 Brighton win. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'd work too. Well, you know, I'm not so sure, but I've, I've certainly had the matchup. I thought, no, do you know what? If matchup says what it's saying, I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, and there's just a last question saying, uh, well, actually not a question, but a comment from Aiden actually saying it would be great to see a wildcard draft from us all uh, for oh next week. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do next week. We're actually, we've got Surya coming on uh, from All About FPL, who is actually playing his wildcard. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to run through run through his wildcard and uh, so. Gabe and I will have a, have a little bit of a think as well. We'll certainly have some critique of that. So, right, guys, um, I think <laughs> it's been a long one. Uh, it's a, it's been one of those, <laughs> it's been one of those ones where, quite frankly, um, just about what could go wrong has gone wrong, right? But anyway, <laughs> we, we we were shooting for one hour. <laughs> you got two. We were shooting for one, and we've ended up with two. Um, guys, I mean, look, I just just very very quickly let's get out of it before two hours i need to i need to be under two hours when i hit that stop stop broadcast yeah. button um, thank you my friend uh as again delighted that you're joining the show um sorry you've had some technical problems sorry that we've had some technical problems but anyway um it's still been great having you on thanks very much great to always be on so no problem and gabe thanks as always mate and uh, now you can go outside and give some grief to that bastard it's ruined. <laughs> it's been he's ruined. Fixing, he's fixing my house, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> oh, is it? He could have bloody yeah. come late. Just telling me you're doing a bloody podcast for goodness' sake. No, there's a lot of work to be done. We got to get this thing sold. <laughs> so, All right. I, I just, I just um, want to thank thank everyone that joined us in the chat. I saw Harry in there. I saw Fancy Football Hub in there. Um, so, yeah, and lovely. great questions no, as always. It's lovely to see people in there, and uh, and you know. Hopefully, people have enjoyed it. Uh, very, very quickly, um, Gabe, your articles on all about FPL as usual. Um, Hibbo, you're breaking the templates on Fantasy Football Hub. Um, my stuff's all over Twitter and Instagram. Uh, everything will be up there. The, the the pod. This will also be a pod if you want to listen for two hours. My God, listen to drills and things like that. Help yourself. Maybe you won't. Maybe you won't. But apart from that, what else can I say? I just want to wish you all the very, very best for game week. Uh, thir 30? 30? Is it 30? Yeah, it's 30, isn't it? Uh, and uh, let's hope that you, you net that hole. So all the best, everybody, and take care. Bye-bye.